The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription. Critical mass. That's what turns the smallest ventures into life-changing forces. Reach critical mass by joining Temenos Open Marketplace for fintechs. Opening up access to 2,000 of the world's largest financial institutions. Don't just take our word for it. Temenos Marketplace has just won Reader's Choice Best Emerging Innovative Technology Product and Service at the 2016 Banking Technology Awards. Join Temenos now. We make the money go round. Let's be honest. Most digital banking experiences just aren't that amazing. Learn how more than 180 banks worldwide, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, and BBVA, innovate faster with Strands as their trusted fintech partner. To find out more, visit strands.com today. This is Fintech Insider Interviews, and today we are joined by the acting chairman of the U.S. Commodities Future and Trading Commission. Uh, this is uh, Mr. Christopher Giancarlo. Chris, thank you very much for being with us on Fintech Insider today. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, Simon. How are you? I am pretty good. Uh, we're really happy to have you on the show because some of our most popular shows have been uh, on the subject of RegTech and FinTech. But I guess for our listeners that aren't familiar with the CFTC, can you tell us a little bit about what the CFTC is, what it does, um, and maybe maybe just a little bit about yourself as well? I'm delighted to do it. I'm delighted to be on FinTech Insiders. And, and I know you've got a quite sophisticated listening audience. So um, let me talk a little bit about what the CFTC is here on, on the state side. Of the Atlantic, we are, as you say, the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. So, to perhaps um, persons outside, it might seem like a bit of an alphabet soup of federal regulatory agencies. The U.S. is we have two primary markets regulators, and then of course we have central bank, the Treasury, and we have others that look after bank supervision, uh, like our Federal Reserve System. But when it comes to our markets. Uh, we have two regulators. One, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, really looks over the investment and capital transfer market. So the markets for stocks and bonds or individuals um, will exchange capital for investment opportunities in, in, in enterprises, whether it be uh, in their stock or in shares or whether it be in their debt. The CFTC looks over the other side financial markets, and that is in the risk transfer end of the markets. That is our, our futures and our swaps markets. So we call derivatives. Derivatives, as I'm sure your listeners know, are, are instruments that are used where bearers of risk that don't wish to bear that risk can transfer that risk to a party who's willing to take that risk. So the best example is in our listed ag futures market where a, a wheat grower uh, may uh, realize that the time of planting in the spring that he or she is going to have of uh, fuel for their tractors, of seed and 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 and, and labor, uh, and and other identifiable costs. But the one item that they don't know into their production is what will be the price they will get for their for their their wheat at at harvest time. And it's the variability of the future price of a commodity like wheat that is the main variable. It's the main risk in that production process. So a farmer in this example could exchange that risk to, say, a bank or other market participant 
in return for a fixed payment to take the risk out of the equation. And that's you know much more broadly throughout our financial markets in terms of interest rate futures and interest rate swaps or currency swaps, uh, manufacturers and others that may have a risk of currency change, of, of interest rate risk, will use these markets to trade risk uh, for certainty. And that's those are derivatives and those are the markets that we oversee. And just to give you an order of magnitude, this may seem like an obscure part of the financial landscape. In fact, it's the largest part of the trading market. So the total capitalization of this, say the big board, the New York Stock Exchange, our largest equities exchange in the United States is somewhere around uh, 40 trillion. Uh, the size of the US corporate bond market is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 to 100 trillion. SEC, which is well known, oversees a marketplace of somewhere a little bit over 100 to $150 trillion. The interest rate swaps market alone, which we oversee at the CFTC, is somewhere in the neighborhood of four to $500 trillion in notional amount. In the entire environment, we see from futures to swaps, six, $700, $800 trillion in size. So these are enormous global markets. Um, they are the reason they are probably less well-known to the retail investor is because they are not traded by retail investors for the most part. Uh, for the most part, these are professional markets traded bank to bank. But at the retail end, we do have that weak contract that I described by farmers. And, and so they are important even at the retail end of the food chain. That's super, super helpful whistle-stop tour of what you guys do. And, and I guess uh, it, it is kind of a, a difficult thing to uh, get your head around the likes of interest rate swaps. But the weed example I really like because that's something that we can all relate to of locking in a price for something in the future uh, if I don't know what's going to happen right now. Um, you know, Simon, so maybe, maybe let me just jump in because this is something that I often explain to people when they say, well, why do these derivative markets matter? And the reason they matter is because when, uh, and probably just like me, many of your li listeners walk into the supermarket week in and week out and see all the plentiful food on the shelves, uh, winter, spring, summer, and fall, uh, whether it's a good season or a bad season, they never ask themselves as they walk through the door of the supermarket, uh, was it a good growing season on the farm and therefore will there be fresh vegetables? We, we never do that in our Western economies. And yet, if you ever travel to the developing world, if it was a good harvest on the farm will be the basis for whether there's food on the shelves. And in fact, if it was a bad growing season, not only won't there be plentiful food on the shelves, there won't be plentiful food on the shelves next year as well, because the, the farmers will have gone bankrupt because they couldn't get their price at harvest time. And therefore, they won't have the ability to buy seed next year to put in the ground. The reason we in the West enjoy the stability in our in our lifestyle, whether it is in terms of food on the shelves, whether it is steady uh, payments on our on our fixed mortgages or in our, our automobile rentals or other use of credit, or whether it's relatively stable exchange rates for foreign exchange, and therefore the ability to buy goods manufactured abroad, German automobiles or other goods manufactured in China elsewhere, is because our marketplaces have a wide use of derivative products to even out the fluctuation, to take the risk out of some of these basic transactions, whether it be a 15-year or 30-year fixed rate mortgage, or whether it be something as simple as food on our grocery store shelves. That's why derivatives matter. That's huge. That's the difference between being able to buy a 30-year mortgage and afford a house versus trying to put together the house yourself with the materials you can find in front of you right now and the money you have in your bank. That, 
that makes perfect sense, Chris. And I think uh, that that um, example was was hugely helpful. Uh, but talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges in those markets, because you've recently announced you launched Lab CFTC, and I'm guessing that's to address some challenges you've seen around innovation and you know really bringing innovation into those markets. So what what's your aim with Lab CFTC? So, so Simon, I, I, before going into government, I, I came into the government uh, almost three years ago. I spent 30 years in the private sector, uh, half of that time practicing law in the in London and, and in New York, but also in the, in the private sector as an executive of the public company. What I, what I know from my, my experience in the markets is the lightning pace at which markets are transforming. They're, they're transforming from 20th century analog marketplaces filled with uh, humans on trading floors, uh, uh, hooting and hollering, shouting bids and offers to uh, form a human network uh, of buyers and sellers. Uh, they're transforming from that 20th century analog model to a 21st century digital form of markets where those old trading pits are, are closed. And now we have virtual marketplaces made up of increasingly trading algorithms, trading with other algorithms, uh, increasingly using artificial intelligence and machine learning and um, uh, in marketplaces where the data is collected through cloud computing, computing using modern data analysis. And yet, having come from the, from the, from the private sector and the government, what I'm realizing that government is still very much an analog regulator of increasingly digital markets. Our, 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 our approach to regulation uh, really is falling behind this rapid, exponentially changing, rapidly changing pace of marketplaces. And in order to catch up to this digital transformation, we ourselves need to become users and deployers of some of these, uh, you know, groundbreaking exponential uh, digital technologies. And so, what we've designed something called Lab CFTC, and it's going to be the focus for our regulatory agency's transformation from an analog regulatory model to a digital regulatory model. It, it's going to be our main uh, nexus between those people that, people that are developing these technologies and deploying these technologies and, and our government efforts to oversee these vitally important derivative markets, but these derivative markets that are going through these enormous fast and, and fundamental changes. And that makes a ton of sense, Chris, because I think the, the fact that we are no longer in an analog world, that markets are in a digital world makes sense. And, and I guess uh, there are innovations happening in the market. We've seen fintech has been around for four or five years now in the retail banking space and in uh, lending and in wealth. Uh, you guys are, are seeing this now, I'm sure, coming to, to the market space. What, what would you see uh, innovation looking like? And, and what would uh, just, because you've got two parts to the lab CFTC, you've got uh, GuidePoint, which uh, looks to me a little bit like the FCA's Project Innovate, and then you've got CFTC 2.0. Um, like when you're looking for somebody to come to the GuidePoint program, they're coming to you and they may have some kind of new product or service. When should they come talk to you? And what kind of questions can they ask you? So I was at a, an event recently uh, here in New York City with uh, probably uh, 200 or so um, uh, members of our of our fintech community here, and uh, someone was telling me a story about a uh, it was a, it was a, a small venture funder, and they had seen a company they were very excited about, very interested in investing in, and um, as they were doing their due diligence, preparing to invest in the company, the company explained that one of the, the risks was that they weren't certain as to what their regulatory status was, and they had. Um, placed an inquiry with a Washington regulator to get a an answer as to what the regulatory status was. 
And so the investor said, okay, well, we're very interested in funding you, but we obviously want that issue resolved. So we're going to hold back until, until it's resolved. Well, 18 months later, this company still had not received an answer from that federal regulatory agency. And as a result, this, this venture investor was telling me they eventually pulled out and didn't fund the company. That is a terrible shame. Uh, and that is something that GuidePoint is designed to, um, to get around. GuidePoint is a process, it's, it's an it's a initiative by which innovators, innovative companies, new developers, and it can be, it also can be uh, large firms as well, but, but companies that have innovations can come to the regulatory agency and say, we would like some clarity on how our innovation, the application of this bumps up against your rule set. And it will provide the, the mechanism for us to get them that answer and get them that answer, you know, in, in a reasonable amount of time and a reasonable, clear answer. So if GuidePoint will serve one purpose, it'll serve to take some of the regulatory uncertainty out of innovation. And that if, if it does nothing more than that, I think that will be a huge benefit to um, to innovators and, and, the, and the companies that fund innovators. But really, more importantly, to the market as a whole so that we can see innovations uh, seeded and developed and grown and built and, 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 and have their uh, helpful impact on markets sooner, earlier, and, and more directly without that regulatory uncertainty that too often holds firms back in the early stage. Yeah, if you can remove that uncertainty, you've done a huge service to these types of companies that, that are just trying to make a business. Uh, and then secondly, CFTC 2.0, uh, you mentioned that regulation itself is still very analog. Uh, when it moves into the digital age, are you looking for people to come and try and help you with that? As well as, you know, there's definitely initiatives you guys are, do, are doing, I'm sure, in terms of digitizing yourselves. But if somebody came along and said, hey, we've got this great solution that can help the CFTC digitize how it deals with its counterparties and market participants, is that something you're encouraging as well? Absolutely. So if, if the first phase guide point, which we described is how innovators interact with the agency, CFTC 2.0 is how the agency interacts with innovation. And what we want to do is work alongside innovators, learn from innovators, grow with innovators, and, and, and understand those innovations for how they can help us be a 21st century digital regulator. And so we, we are looking to partner in proofs of comp concepts and, 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 and data, beta tests of some of these new, uh, of some applications of some of these new technologies, whether it be distributed ledger technology, whether it be cloud-based computing or real-time data analysis, whether it be machine learning or whether it be smart contracts, we want to participate in some of these early stage developments so that we're learning as the innovators are learning about the benefits of these technologies and we can be an early adapter of many of them. So that's what, that's what CFTC 2.0 is because we want to become the 2.0 version of the agency that was formed 40 years ago, which was the 1.0 version. So we're going to learn from innovators in order to make the new ad advanced uh, digital version of our own selves. I think there's something really nice about changing the norms of, uh, you know, kind of like uh, the, the old school regulation, which was uh, this is the list of rules and then this is the file format that everybody has to report on to. This is a collaborative, uh, how can we do this better type approach? Uh, how can we use the best of digital technology to make technical rules as well as uh, as rules around in paper and, and really be digital first? That That's hugely, hugely exciting. And uh, I'm really interested in your views on DLT 
key and the opportunities it presents to regulators and market participants, as well as any potential pitfalls you might see? I'm very excited about DLT technology. Um, I think it potentially could be um, really uh, fundamentally changing to the way um, transactions are recorded and um, uh, in our financial markets um, and especially in our derivative markets. One of the things that we're charged to do at our agency is to look at trading conditions, to oversee markets for uh, their freedom from manipulation and fraud, uh, and their overall openness and fairness. And we do that by analyzing data, and yet we, we do that in very much a 20th century method of collecting data uh, from different sources, piecing it together, scrubbing it, cleaning it, hooking up analytics to it. Hopefully, by the time all that other stuff is done, we might be able to gain some information from it. But increasingly, some of the best and largest market participants, some of our world's biggest banks, are moving toward a real-time data and market risk analysis process where they're analyzing data in real time. And that's not surprising since some of our best uh, online retailers and other companies from eBay to Google to Amazon to even firms like Uber and Lyft are processing and analyzing data in real time. And so that's what, where really we need to move to as a regulator. We need to become able to analyze data and, and trading positions and, and trading re, uh, ledgers in real time. And that's what the promise of DLT technology is. As the world's largest financial institutions utilize a blockchain approach to confirming uh, their trading ledgers against each other and their positions uh, in financial instrument, instruments with, with each other, we as a regulator could potentially become nodes on that, uh, on that private ledger or the private blockchain and be able to see the different trading positions of the, of the large counterparties in our markets and therefore be able to get to a point where we're in, can do real-time data and analysis of real-time trading data and real-time conditions in our markets, as opposed to delayed reporting with incomplete data sets. So I think DLT has great promise for the industry, has great promise for market participants. It also has great promise for mar market regulators like the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Uh, that's really interesting and really promising because one of the things I hear banks say quite often is that um, they like DLT, but they don't think regulators will like it. But actually, it's it's really quite interesting to hear you say, Chris, that DLT could be quite positive for, for the market if, if it's implemented in the right way. Well, you know, technology, right, has a disruptive factor. We, we've all known that. And in many sectors of the technology world, that disruptive capability of new technology is celebrated. But if you think about it from a regulatory world, that disruptive nature of technology is, is very threatening. It's threatening to ways and processes of doing things. And so, um, you know, regulators are, are people too. And, you know, disruptive nature of technology can often, you know, have a threat factor. But we have to get beyond that and recognize, look, the rate of technological change is increasing and there's there's no stopping it. We have to decide whether we either want to you know get with it or fall behind it, but but there's no op option of stopping it. And so we're, we're just gonna have to deal with the disruptive nature of some of these emerging technologies and and, and you know get caught up with them. And you know that that this occurs in every walk of life. It's just that we in government have to recognize that that's just gonna be the way it is and we've got to get out in front. 
I think that's really, really encouraging to hear, Chris, and a, a, a very uh, interesting position. And I hope our listeners take that to heart if they have some sort of blockchain DLT initiative or they're doing something in machine learning and they're interested in changing how financial markets work in, in dealing with risk and futures or swaps, uh, that they'll reach out to your guide point program and that they'll come to learn more from you. Uh, on my last question to you is going to be uh, really around how do you um, see the future of collaboration between uh, regulators, both domestically and globally evolving? And do you think innovation is one way in which we can we can start to close uh, gaps internationally um, and, and domestically for, for some of the challenges that an innovator might have getting their head around uh, some, of, some of those landscape challenges? Well, so, you know, I said before that the, the rate of uh, of technological innovation is is increasing rapidly, but but technology adoption and absorption is always an uneven process. There was a great book, Crossing the Chasm, years ago that talked about early adopters, you know, middle adopters, late adopters. That's going to always be the case in, in technology innovation, and there will be jurisdictions and regulators that are early adopters. Some will be middle, and some will be late. That's just the way you know uh, things evolve and. Um, I think there's always the promise that we regulators can work better and more consistently and, and, and without some of the gaps. And yet, you know, technology innovation, especially disruptive technology, create new gaps. So it's always going to be a process of early adopters and laggards. And, and there's always going to be a challenge of gaps. You know, that's, that's unfortunately just the, the way it is. Um, but we regulators will continue to try to close those gaps just as quickly as they open. Chris, this has been a hugely insightful interview. If people want to learn more about you or the CFTC, or especially Lab CFTC, where can they go to find out more? So our, our URL is, is cftc.gov. And um, for Lab CFTC, it's slash um, Lab CFTC. Check us out. We are up and running. Um, the program is, is underway. We're very excited about it. The, re the early reaction has been terrific. And uh, this is, um, like many startups, it's a startup itself. Uh, so these are our first days and our first to build upon uh, what we learn and hope to expand the program in, in the months and the years to come. But we, we have launched and uh, check us out, LabCFTC uh, at cftc.gov. Chris, thank you very much for being with us on FinTech Insider Interviews. It's been my absolute pleasure to have you. It's great to be with you, Simon. And really, uh, this was such a pleasure doing uh, FinTech Insiders with you. I'd love to do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Let's make that happen. All right. Thank you so much. Goodbye.